Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. I'm Jim. And Who did you think I'm I was? David. Who did you think <laughs> I was? No, so that's in honor of the guy we're going to be discussing this week. But before we do that, let's go ahead and do our general housekeeping because everybody loves spring cleaning. Right. Um, so if you're listening regularly, you can join the Practical Guitarist Facebook group. And as always, you can review us on the iTunes store. If you'd like to reach out to us directly, you can do so via email at practicalguitaristpodcast at gmail.com. That was so good. So good. You know what? Yeah. That was – but, you know, there's other podcasts that do that. and You're being just like them. And oh, you good. Know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with copying off of them. Oh, no. We do not want copies. That actually, Nobody Jim, mine's, slight, copies. mine's slightly different. I think just, just it, slightly in different ways. <laughs> so everybody like, – like case... My guard is just – it's a little bit shorter here. <laughs> and so the headstock's got to be a little bit longer here. Oh. So what we're talking about, obviously, is the John Mayer um, guitar, the Sky. Um, first of all, I have not had a chance to play one. I don't think David has either. But no, I have not. I am as waiting, soon as I man. can. As soon as I can, I am. Play I'm excited one. for it. I actually, I'm not even a big John Mayer fan. I don't like him very much. But uh, and I, I, I've said this. Yep. As at, at, in the Twilight Zone in another world where there was another episode, yep. uh, I said this, and, and I'm going to say it again. I don't like signature guitars. I hate and – and, and in his case specifically, I hate the fact that I like – if I'm playing this thing and somebody comes to me like, hey, that's a John Mayer signature. I just want to take it and break it. Like, <laughs> But anyway. Well, you can always etch out the John Mayer signature on the back. Put a different well, plate on it. You could probably get a plate. You know, so I uh, personally, I could give a shit less whose name is on the thing. But I will say this. I honestly am excited to play it. Um, I've played a Strat since the year, well, since 1969. But um, I've owned one for a long time. And one of the things that um, I think that we forget as a as a whole is that John Mayer went to – he played strats forever. Then he went to um, Paul Reed Smith. He said, I know how to get, I want a guitar, and it's going to be my signature guitar. What would you think it was going to look like? I mean, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. So there are other signature – there's other <laughs> signature guitars that are in the um, PRS line that kind of harken back to their – originals yes okay. and actually after you showed me the picture and 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 excited my memory for it i'm kind of thinking maybe i just pick one of those up because i've seen those going dirt cheap and that'd yeah. be kind of cool to have set neck stratocaster 250 oh no it's not right sorry sorry set cat set neck sort of like a strat guitar yes <laughs> now first of all nobody has said anything by the way about sewer and I want to, and I'm going to go off topic a little there bit. There is a video, here, I, but it's I, on topic. There's a video, and actually, I'm I'm going to recommend viewers go look for it. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. I watched it the other day, and there's a guy comparing the, the Silver Sky with 
a custom shop strat, uh, not a master build, but a, but yeah. a group build, and a sir, uh, one of the sir strat copies. That's that's tome and music. I was just okay. watching it. That All right, wasn't, so you, that wasn't where I was project. going. Go yes, that's not where I was going. But yes, so we all know that John Sewer is famous. His most famous guitars are Stratocasters. They're not. Yeah. They're not alike. Why? Because oh, John Sure used to work for. Shop. He worked at a custom shop. Exactly. For that, he worked for Schechter making <laughs> Strat copies. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, remember what I said. Strat, um, Schechter at one time they had a custom shop. I think you know, they Mark still Knopfler's do. Famous at Strat. Yeah. Was a Schechter yeah, that was built by John Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was built by John Sure. Uh, but um, somebody had a Schechter. I, oh, it was a Pete Townsend Strat that he has later is also a John Sir. But yep. and, and, nevertheless, let's let's go on. And and uh, Townsend had a Schechter that yep. was, guess what? A and that's why they have the PT line, and yep. that was a that was also um, John Sir. So yep. John Sir, um, who fantastic guitar builder, he has a passion for his guitars. Sure. At Nam. John Sir came out with a Les Paul. Holy yes. crap! You mean the guy that makes strats can also make a Les Paul? I can't believe it, but yes. Oh wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying that, that a company like PRS could also make a strat? I know, and, and that's what I'm saying. So here it is. By the way, um, uh, we'll talk about the fact that they already did in a minute, um, but uh, in the SE line a long time ago, years yeah, ago. Time. So you can get them dirt cheap. You can get them for like $250, the PRS SEEG model. We're a, um, we're a Stratocaster alike. But anyway, so Sir comes out with the Aura. It's, it's named after his wife, Aura, or Aura. It's A-U-R-A, so I'm saying it Aura like someone who has an Aura around, about them. It's an Aura. An Aura. I'm sorry, Aura. Um, but it's um, it's a... 59 Les Paul. And he even said, he's got he's got four of them. There's only four. Well, there were at NAM. There might be a fifth one by now. They're going to make 100 They're only going to make 100 this year. Or in the, within the year. There's yeah. only going to be 100. He is going to do all the um, fret work and fingerboards. I, actually, Personally. my understanding was that there's only going to be 100 this year, but then it's going to become a regular production model. Correct. Correct. So... So look for them in the 2019, sometimes in 2019, 20, 2020, somewhere in there, they will be a, a production model. But right now, those hundred, those are pretty much spoken for, and there's no price tag yet. Yeah. <laughs> he hadn't even mentioned right. a price. All right. So here's the funny part, guys. Everybody's bitching and going nuts over the John Mayer Stratocaster because it's a knockoff by PRS. But why the hell is Sir not catching any shit for this? Well, here's the thing, though, and and this is the thing that I, that gets me. Uh, the other side of it was people went, "Oh yeah, took took uh, Paul Reed Smith two years to you know make a strat, okay, but it's taken John Sir ten years to make a Les Paul." Uh, now well, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. What I'm saying is that um, it isn't as simple as I was spending two years doing nothing but making this Stratocaster. I would make it, and then I'd send it to John Mayer, and then he'd test some things okay. out, and then he would say some stuff. So, and, 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 and for and those really, critics who are bitching about the two-year wait, right? 
Okay, first off, there's a whole like hour long video from John Mayer on YouTube, yeah, talking about why. But I don't even think he's telling the truth either. You know what the truth is? They already made another. They already made a signature for John. Yeah. They made the what do they call it? The something eagle or something? Yep. The silver or the the, sil- the gold, yeah. gold eagle or whatever it is. Anyway, they made this guitar, and I'm sure they sold a bunch of them. But I'm sure there's some sitting in cases somewhere too. Yep. So for them, it didn't really make sense to flip around and be like, next six months we're going to have the John Mayer signature out anyway. Right. So that doesn't make man. a lot of sense either. I, I can say that I think that, that it does take time and there's little things that he want to change. Sure. And his, his has got a lot of detail in it. So, But I'll say this. After having watched Tolman's video that we mentioned earlier – uh, They're all roughly the same. Yeah, John, the Sir, the the Sky, and the and the sixty Strat that he had sitting there pretty much sound like the same thing. Now, I, I, all right. So I am going to call John Mayer out on this though, and his hour long rant. Yep. He he defending himself, um, which I don't understand why he feels the need to defend himself. Yeah. I, uh, in, anyway, in, in his hour long Gear Geek discussion. He goes on about how oh it has a seven point I think it's a seven point two five inch radius which is like the vintage Fender radius. Yep. Um, and you know he's like, well I don't I don't really think about radius when I pick guitars. I you're fucking stupid then. Like no offense, right. no offense, well, dude. But I, I I if I'm gonna pick up a guitar and I'm gonna play a specific style of music, that makes a huge difference. If you pick up a nine and a half inch radius and you compare it to a seven point two five, they're not the same. One will fret out when you bend. One is all, yeah. And, and whether you want thin, wet, fly, thin, wide, f- thin, wide, yeah. or ultra thin, wide, or C wide, or U wide, or, and, and of course the wizard necks are, are like that. The point is, like you said, um, fretting out and such, if you, some are built better for jazz and moving up and down the neck, some are built right. better for bending you know and that wide neck i like a wide wide fretboard for bending i prefer it well so for me like the way i the way i approach an instrument uh i i realized a long time ago that in order for me to get speed and proficiency with anything i need to have big ass frets which is a common modification a lot of guys do to guitars big big ass jumbo frets. frets and uh which is why three quarters of the guitar in the market come with jumbo frets. Yep. That's probably generalization, but anyway, there's big ass frets, and I want a flatter radius. Yes, either a nine and a half or a twelve inch radius. I'll go as high as a fourteen. Why don't we take a second to explain people that what a radius is? Take us take a second to explain. Okay, what so that when you means. look at your when you look at your fretboard, you've got there, there's a curvature along the frets, right? And on some guitars, that curvature is more shallow than others, so it's either more conical or less conical as it goes up the neck. Um, and a guitar with a flatter radius is less conical. It's flatter. So if you have a 9.5-inch radius, it's less conical than a 7.25-inch radius or a 5-inch radius because I believe there have been guitars in the past that were done with a 5-inch radius. I You've wow. got to be freaking nuts. Yeah. But – um, but that, that's the, the lowest radius I've ever heard of. And you can go all the way up. I mean, you can get guitars with 28 inch radiuses, which is basically flat. Yes. So. And, anyway. and, and then every, by the way, people, when you do go to buy a guitar like that, every company has a different way of describing like a C shape, a D shape, a V shape, 
Well, that's the back of the neck. That's, I know, that's a whole I know. other thing. That's, that's the other side of it. But I'm just saying – and radiuses, although that is a, a mathematical calculation, mm-hmm. um, still there are differences in the way the, the radius is applied. Sure, um, and I can talk about that too. Because you, you have talk- what they call – what do they call it? Uh, uh, compound radius. Compound radius, thank you. And when you get into a compound radius, you're actually going to look for two measurements if they publish them. And a lot of times they don't. Right. And, they, and what right. you want to see is what the ne- what the radius is at the at the nut end of the the neck, and what the the radius is at the tail end of the neck, where the you know on the bridge side. And right. what you'll often find is you'll have a nine and a half inch radius up the nut, and you'll have a fourteen inch radius down at the at the uh, bridge, or a seven and a half at the nut. And a and a twenty inch down the bridge that would be really extreme. I, I don't think I've ever seen that, but but yeah. that's how they do it basically. Right. And the reason for that is that this is what I say. The reason for that is if you have a seven and a half inch radius or a seven point two five, whichever one it is, I I, I it escapes me right now. Yep. Um, and you're bending, and I've seen this a lot on like a seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth fret. You bend up a whole step. Guess what? You're fretting out around uh, fourteen. Right. Almost always. I got a guitar on the wall right now. It's a nine and a half inch radius, and it frets out in the 14th for that reason. Yeah. Same thing. Now, All of my nine and a half inch radius guitars, the, the action has to be higher in order for me not to fret out. And, folks, that means that when he bends the note, the note disappears. Yeah. It, it, it Basically, what happens is the, the string is muted by another fret. Yep. So. And you do not want that. And that's no, what they call so, fretting out. Now you and, can and, and, you can make modifications to a guitar to prevent fret outs even at those radiuses, but typically sure. that means raising your your um, action or or you're putting an artificial compound radius in the neck. That's Correct. another one I've seen a lot of, yep. where somebody will take a seven and a half inch neck and they'll they'll flatten out the frets up at the top using a, a, a like a radius jig basically or a radius block to make sure that the the frets up top are flatter so you don't yep. fret out. But that hurts your intonation. Yep. There are various reasons why you don't necessarily want to do that. But that being said, uh, I think this goes along with certain styles of music too. Like if you're playing jazz, you want your intonation to be more perfect. Yep. If you're playing blues, unless you're doing it extreme bends all the time, you could probably get away with a nine and a half inch. Yeah. I don't know that I, – I, there's a lot of blues guys that play seven and a half inch radius. Yep. Um, you know, remember, John. John you know, to John's credit on this. He's playing a lot of vintage guitars. So I think he's talking about he's got a 62 that they modeled. That's yes, basically I think what that's this thing much, is. Yeah. So his 62 probably has had a refret at some point in his life. Right. And on top of that, I gu- I can almost guarantee you that the fretware has caused the thing to have some sort of a, you know, a, a funky fret shape. Right. It's not flat anymore. Right. Which and, is why when they go to look at, like, they take Stevie Ray's number one and so on yeah. and so forth. He they, wore it into a right. – uh, and they talked about it. He right. wore it into a compound radius. Right. And that happens. And w- as you play as a musician, you know, the day you buy that guitar and two years later, that thing feels completely different. And that's something you got to think about. How is that guitar going to feel down the road? You know? Yeah. But, but that gets well, off I'm topic. Stainless steel frets now because I'm That's like, right. man, I wear these frets out way too fast. Some people think that stainless steel's frets are too bright. I honestly don't. I don't hear it. But hey, I mean, I hear it, but I don't hear it. Not not to the effect that other people do. I'll deal with it if it can keep the guitar playing the same way forever. Yep. I'll deal with it. I'll figure it out. Yep. Now, um, 
but so overall, I think both of us are, you know, really excited, at least um, somewhat, to give a shot to the PRS. Now, will I buy it? I, I highly doubt it. I, no, I, I'm not. I, I'm not going to buy one. I got other strats. But I mean, the thing is, I really want to try it because right. I think it's a very unique design. Right. I, as much as it looks just like a strat, this is PRS's take on this thing. And That's to right. be honest with you, it has a lot of design features that are different. Yep. Now, a lot of them are aesthetic features. Yep. Some but there are some features too, like you know his size of fret wire. Yeah. We all know we've all probably heard uh, Paul himself talk about that their choice in fret wire being you know tonality based. Yeah. Of course, the nut's going to be different. I will say that in the video that shootout that they did with the uh, the sir and the and the uh, custom shop strat, they all sounded identical to me. You know what? I'll I'll say this about the sir in the neck in the clean channel. I thought the sir had a little more of a smooth, boomy low end. Than all three of them, uh, the, uh, out of the three. Yeah, Sir but I mean, I, I just say it was like, it was so um to at least to me it was so it was subtle, it was so subtle. Yeah, it was like I could play all three of them on stage and nobody'd know the difference. I wouldn't know the difference half the time probably because except for feel, um, you, you know, depending on how I'm going to play a different note, I, I'm never going to play the same note twice the same way. So I'm not going to notice like some people would that hey, this is this is how it's going to come out. Hey, but hey, whatever. I think that that um, the the haters are gonna hate. Yep. But all I'm all I was trying to get at with the sir thing, which I'm. Oh, if you think there isn't a guitar that I'm excited and may actually try, I might actually hawk my kids for. <laughs> joking. You better um, not hawk them damn kids. Yeah. <laughs> but um, is that is that fifty nine? So what he did, if those who are um. Uh, curious about the aura. What he did with the aura, um, the 59 Les Paul, is he did a lot of things that are in my ESP um, LTD 1000, EC 1000. He, he, he made it more comfortable. Right. He did some um, moving of the, of, uh, the um, heel and, you know, where the, the bout is so that you can get your hands up there and get the things. He stuck with the 22 frets. Um, so the high notes are there. Um, he, uh, made some modifications as far as where the, so instead of the bridge volume being in the back toward the butt of the guitar, it's actually forward. So you can do the pinky rolls, volume yeah. rolls and volume swells with the bridge. Um, that was a, I missed that, that on my a, SG by the way. Yeah. That's common. Um, by the way, uh, change on Les Paul's. Yeah. Um, so there were some things that uh, he talks about. I think it's worth a look, those who are interested. And he was he is one of the few people, other than Paul Reed Smith, who doesn't have a fugly headstock. Yeah. Uh, L- ESP LTDs, I like their headstocks, by the way, too. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's kind of a subjective thing, too. I mean, I've yeah. heard people say, think about headstocks. I just laugh. I'm like, really? It's not that bad. Um, oh, one- I don't know. Some of those okay, headstocks, right. man. Come on. All right, all right, all right, all right. What are some of the ugliest GNL, headstocks? GNL. I get so much shit for my GNL because it has the little the little like pointer <laughs> on the headstock, and well, I just laugh because I'm like, it's a fucking fender with a little triangle on it. Yeah, like what the hell is wrong with that? Yeah, they wanted to do something a little bit different. They can't take the fender headstock. What do you want? You want you want a Kramer headstock on there? Oh, I've got you want, you want a James Tyler headstock. That's what they want. That fucking monstrous thing oh, where the headstocks like God. three headstocks stacked on top of each other. 
No, that's the only. No, that's the only guys, thing that's on. kept me away from D'Angelico so far is that damn headstock. Uh, Epiphone. I know Ugh. hundreds of people who will not buy an Epiphone because of that fugly headstock. It's oh horrendous. Oh, gosh. What the heck? And, and, but I've heard people say PRS's headstock is horrible looking. It's gross. And they're bitching about the John Mayer strat because it's a, it's a three-per side. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? You guys. You. All right. So, <clears throat> um, so I heard something interesting speaking of Gibson. Heard some interesting news. That Gibson is suing the pop um, company. Now, you know what, what pop makes, right? Pop makes those Yeah, little, the Funko Pop. Yep, Funko Pops. Because, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, because three or four of their um, – uh, I know that Slash um, – was it yeah, a couple Slash, of them. Ace Fraley, and uh, Zach Wild, and I can't remember who else, have Les Paul guitars, and they're suing them. Now, first of all, everybody's like, oh, they shouldn't win, blah, blah, blah. First of all, I yeah. don't think they – they didn't – I don't think they ever expect to actually do anything with this lawsuit. No, this is all about proving that they have they, that they actually pursue intellectual property rights claims. Right. Because because if if they so, don't do this now. Right. A judge later can say you don't own the rights to that. Right. So then they turn around. Somebody turns around and makes a pop Les Paul, and and then they go, well, you never sued us about it before. So it's all they're doing is saying, hey, look. We've got intellectual property rights to these. You can't just use Les Paul without giving us something, without doing something for us. Even yeah, if they heads set up a, at least. Yeah, set a pack of gum to the place. You yeah, I mean, what I mean, shit. Gibson at this point will take anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the, but the thing is that, yeah, like you said, they could have at least given them a heads up. Hey, we're putting these out, and they do have Les Pauls in them. 99% of, the, of um, um, what I'm thinking is – that whoever designed that pop didn't even know what the fuck that guitar was. They would have known a Les Paul from a, a GNL from um, – geez, who can tell the difference between a Paul Reed Smith and a Strat anyway? They look exactly alike. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do now. <laughs> but um, – Nah, count the screws on the pick guard. Come on, guys. Yeah, that's right. There's eight on one and six on the other. But um, anyway, that's – I mean so all these people are getting up in arms about that. Need to realize that you have to do that. As a company, you have to do that. If somebody – like we, we mentioned – RNA Music, by the way, is the people that, that mentioned that, um, that thing. And I, if somebody went out and said, hey, you know what? I'm going to make a T-shirt that says RNA Music. I honestly think that's part of the reason why they sued PRS years ago too. Yeah. I know people are like, "Oh, well, they they went after PRS." Yeah, but they didn't continue that after no. after the fact. Like they they filed in court, they got their ruling, and then when when PRS like a year or two later started putting out a similar guitar that was basically the same thing, yep. they didn't they didn't sue again. Nope. Two years later, no. Paul Reed Smith came out with the Tremonti signature, which was exactly the Les Paul that he was playing. Which was a modified Les Paul with a um, with a uh, whammy bar on it, Floyd Rose. But so he did, he, he did just what John Mayer did, and yeah. and every guitar player does it. They get tired of who they're with. Look at look at Hammett and uh, well, and, and and here's the thing: everybody's got to realize these guys are all being paid for this too. So right. for somebody like John Mayer to jump ship from Fender, regardless of what he says, the reasons are he's getting a different deal. 
and it may be a better deal for him. And right. it may and, and and all these guys have gone through that. I mean, Eddie Van Halen, actually, he's probably got the most interesting story because, as far as I know, he was the first signature model guitar player, like in the early '80s, yeah. when he had to deal with when he had to deal with Ernie Ball. And then I and I've heard, and I don't know if it's true, that Sterling Ball was screwing around with his wife. And that oh. and there was something going on there, and that's why he actually split and went to PV. So I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard that there was some alleged infidelity going on there. Oh, that's internet gossip I read somewhere. Yep. But be that it may, let's it just may keep it going. Sim- let's it just keep just it going. Simple, it may have just been a simple business decision. Yeah, I, I'm willing to bet you that with uh, a guy like Eddie Van Halen. It was a simple business decision. Well, look at look at Zach Wilde. He's another perfect example. He yeah. wasn't getting enough money through Gibson, and he wasn't getting the endorsement credentials of being able to design guitars that he wanted to design and put out. So what did he do? He jumps ship. He starts his own company. Actually, and that's Schechter. I know, I know, but he, he basically he, he started his own. He's got company, his own label, but quote, right, quote. he's got his own label. But the, they, they, the parent company, company he's is he's with Fender now. I mean, right, it's the same shit. The whole, well, the whole point yeah, is Eddie that Eddie Van Halen jumped ship like nine times. He went yeah. from, you know, he went from Music Man, Music Man to, PV, to PV to Fender, and then Fe- they took it out of Fender, and they gave him his EVH line, right? Right. Well, I think that was a part of the, part of the initial agreement. I don't, I don't think they were ready to spin up the EVH line when he jumped ship. Right. I think that's what happened, and Probably. that was a result of the fifty one fifty amplifier coming in house too. Would you play a Zach Wilde? No. They're, they're they're fugly. They are the we fugliest guitars. Oh my god! Who? What the? And not only is it a signature guitar, but it's a signature guitar that he doesn't even play. I mean, it's it like, looks like it would make a better weapon, frankly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Any of them, and I I know he's got multiple models. Any of yep. them. Yep. <laughs> I don't like his his um, it, it looks SG like type. BC Rich aborted. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Come on, like, BC Rich. The, Give us back Rich the to it, and then it was aborted. Yep. Um, yeah, I I just think that when it comes to uh, you know Zach Wilde's guitars, they are ugly. Uh, Eddie Van Halen has always been true to his guitar, but event if here's the thing, nobody is running around in black label society cover bands, but there are yeah. Eddie Van Halen Van Halen cover. Sure, bands. there's a lot of Van Halen cover bands. Yeah. And that makes sense, but I'm just saying, like the, the people people pretend like you know, oh, John Mayer wants to play PRS. No, John Mayer wants to make money, and he wants to have a guitar that he can use. He doesn't and so, need a PRS. He doesn't need one new guitar. If you think for a second John Mayer couldn't go to another company and get another guitar that will work just as well as the PRS he has, you're smoking dope. All right, let's ask this question. Since we're on the the signature guitar thing, why does why does he even need a guitar? He he's out there buying old ones. He's, Look at Joe Bonamassa. Right? He's got signatures. He's not rare. He's not playing his signature guitars on stage. No, he's getting uh, he's getting uh, Bernie Marsden's uh, the Beast. Yeah, he's he's got great guitars. He's got he's got guitars that cost more than our homes, and he's playing them every night. We, he doesn't need. Hey, look, Epiphone. Thanks for making me this. Um, you know this this destroyer or whatever. This fireman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We knew that you needed one. No, he didn't need it. He doesn't even care. Zach Wilde does not need a signature guitar. So they check these guys. The only people that don't need signature guitars are people that have signature guitars. Well, I've seen in my lifetime. Okay, so I came when I was a kid, I was in skateboarding, and the big thing was sponsorship. 
and everybody got sponsored and they got their own board deal and then they got you know videos and all that stuff and that's how they were making income because right. let's face it skateboarding competitions they don't pay a lot yeah. so for them the money was in the gear I have in my lifetime as a guitar player from about 15, 20 years ago, I have seen the industry change from being focused on actual players to being focused on people who want to play. Right. And what that means is they're they're picking these people who are like idols and saying, you want to play like that guy and we'll give you the exact guitar he uses. Well, heads up, guys. Usually they're modified, number one. Right. <laughs> number two, they're usually built in the custom shop. Yep. <laughs> you know, so – and You're not buying it. the exact guitar that they play in most cases. Right, right. And, and the truth is you don't want to. You know, we've no. all got to go to the store. And that's the thing. People, I don't know, maybe it's the guitar community, maybe it's the community whole. Because we, we as a society, we're changing to this, this um, thing that we've always had, especially in America, this, this celebrity need worship. for, well, there's celebrity worship. That's a huge one. And instant gratification mm -hmm. i want that guitar because i will instantly if i pick up a black gibson um uh, sg i can play like angus young classic exam classic exam yeah sweet water's dream rigs yeah instant gratification instant gratification. you don't know what you use a guitar player you got 10 grand to burn go out there and buy yourself a complete guitar rig all in one there you go but here's the problem you still don't know how to use it and then That's even, right. Even for and then believe it or not, the people that know how to use their guitars found their own voice. Greg Cock didn't go. You know what? I wonder who plays a Telecaster. No, he picked a Telecaster for very different reasons than I would pick one. Yeah, and I think we well, had that discussion. He's a big guy with big hands. It's, you know, he needs a big beefy neck. He has a '50s Telecaster because that's what works for him. I heard it. I heard an interview with him recently where he was talking about how. No, it was somebody else. Uh, I forget what the guy's name is. It, no, another up-and-coming guitar player. Yep. Um, and he's going, you know, I, I learned from, from Greg Cock. Like, he was a friend of mine's dad. Yep. And he's like, I would go over to his house, and he would be playing note-for-note -note covers, and the kid didn't realize that he was actually playing along. That's how good he is at emulating other people's styles. But Greg Cock, when you hear him on stage, is not emulating somebody else. No. He's developed his own voice by listening to all these other things, and that's something we all need to like focus on and bring into ourselves is to realize that we listen to these other guys to get inspiration, but if we're making original songs, we need to be able to channel that into something else that's unique in us. Right, and that's, that's a huge, huge thing that everybody who plays guitar – I got to tell you, so we're like um, right now we're we're learning round and round because we've decided to do some hair metal. It's it's working out real well. Yeah, people are loving our hair metal stuff. So we round and round. Yeah, Sorry. round and round. Yeah, round and round is one of like eight or ten songs we're decide we've decided we're gonna put in there. We got some Joan Jett. I'm singing the Joan Jett. We got the you know, and so all these things that we're doing. Anyway, round and round. We cannot possibly be exactly like that guy. For a, a couple of reasons. Only one of us has a guitar, like a Jackson um, Phil Cohen, that has yeah. a whammy bar. Right. And so that guy was playing whammy bars back then. What the heck was his name? And um, Warren D. Martini. Thank you. That I don't know why D. Martini um, 
I don't know how the hell I remembered that, man. I just pulled that right out of my rear. And it's weird because that's my ears. But um, Warren DiMottini was playing, you know, the floating bridge type things. And we typically play on stage um, fixed bridges. So there's one thing, you know, and then he had an 80s rig. And mm-hmm. so he was playing through these the refrigerator rack. Loud, yeah, these big, big loud things. Wait, We're just wait, emulating I gotta, I gotta ask. He did have a rat, right? I hope he had rat. <laughs> Spelled with two T's. <laughs> but I mean, let, let's face it. You know, I mean, you've always got to find your voice. When Jim Woodard steps on stage, Jim is Jim. Not somebody else. And and I hope to heck that people like Eddie Van Halen and Joe Satriani and John Petrucci and um, all the other people that you love, whether it's Jared Dines and Stevie T, uh, you know, or um, Steve Morse, be you. And they will all, every one of them, every single one of them has always had a thing that says, be you. Mm-hmm. Even in a cover band, be you. That's how that's how the instrument grows too, man. Like everybody brings something new to the table, and even if it's just a different style of vibrato or manipulating somebody else's style of vibrato, that's a new piece of the puzzle, new piece of the pantheon of guitar. That's right. Now I'm gonna wax philosophical for a bit, but it's true. It's absolutely true. Even if it's like like everybody talks about how well David Gilmore pulls, you know, ten thousand more um uh pieces of feel out of a note than Steve Vai does. My, no. my favorite thing, my favorite thing that Gilmore does just so we're, we're talking about this. I, everybody says, Oh, it's, it's all feel. You know what his, you know what his trick is? Vibrato. He, he does a whole step then. Yep. And then he bends up another half step. That's right. He has, <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times that happens in one solo. If you go out and you play comfortably numb, you better know how to bend perfectly that's the yeah one, that's exactly what i was saying that guy and he never ever ever plays a note that doesn't have vibrato in it yeah yeah i don't think i've ever seen him play a straight note he, he just that's but that's his thing and so when somebody says oh but because david gilmore blah 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 it, that is that is david gilmore's voice yes the vibrato so hey, uh, david gilmore is very good at being david gilmore and that's the other thing and <laughs> david gilmore will be the first one to tell you be you not david gilmore I'm David Gilmore. No, I'm not mean. Not me. Him. He'd say, "I'm David Gilmore. I, you I be you." Pilot's license to be David Gilmore. <laughs> yep, and that's the thing. I mean, it doesn't matter what instrument you play. Doesn't matter what you're trying to do. Always try to be you. Being, and if you're in a cover band, be you doing that, not them doing that. And that's why I suck. <laughs> not, you know what? I don't suck. I'm good enough. I don't suck. I'm an okay guitar player. Oh. <sighs> You know what we should do next? You know what we should do? We've already had one political discussion on this episode. We don't need to talk about Alfred. No, no, no more. You know what the you know what we should do? Um let's do an let's do an episode where we we um demonstrate some covers where we play some cover stuff. You okay. play you and then and then uh let's pre-record them. Right, pre-record them. We'll play them and then we'll talk about why is it different? We'll we'll play the original, a piece of the original, and we'll play ourselves, and then show why it's different. All right, because I think that's the, that's the big thing is to to say okay, even if it's a cover of you and your band, because it, it's still a cover. You'll never, you know. But what I'm going to do is songs I'm going to play. 
yeah, I've kind of got like an ACDC, David Gilmore, maybe rat. <laughs> I'm finally getting the knack. I think I've got the knack of the knack. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe I'll do, um, I'll probably do whipping post. Ooh, that's a good one. I'll do like whipping post and I'll do, um, I don't know. I don't want to do, uh, I don't want to do beat it. Oh. I've done beat done beat it before yeah but you haven't done it for the people yeah you've seen you've seen me do that right no you've never shown i posted i think i posted that live in uh in gear slum when you were back in there years ago oh yeah but that was a long time ago i would have forgotten that yeah no you should do that you should totally you can stalk us online find us in the groups that's right (laughs) the gear slum um well he's in the gear slum yeah yeah, i'm in the gear slum now but 60 cycle home i never post there but i read it um obviously the practical guitars podcast we don't care where you reach out to us, just, just find us. us. Just reach out to We're us. We're easy to find. We're at the Practical Guitarist. What is it? Practical Guitarist. Um, is it the Practical Guitarist or Practical Guitarist podcast? We, If you want to reach out to us directly, you can go to us via email at practicalguitaristpodcast at gmail.com. Right. Or you can um, direct message us, Facebook. Um, and that's right through. You can find us in the Practical Guitarist podcast group don't go to the practical guitarist group because that's one lonely guy he might actually have two people now we need to we need to talk to him to see if we can buy his group yeah we need to see if he can just let us have his group because that's hilarious let me see if he's got anybody in there let's see Um, we should just join and take it over practical guitarist he's he's just got the practical guitarist let's see how many members he's actually you know what he's our newest listener is he should, we should make him one. We should. We should. Go there and spam him. Guess what I can't find is his page. <laughs> it's I there. Can't. Trust me. It's not the other night. Did you? I can't find it now. There's got to be another. Um, Don't tease me. That means the name's available. Might be. I'm trying. I'm looking. I can't find. Let me see. Groups, right? Yeah, let's see. Groups. Hey, we're um, in the middle of a podcast. Oh, there it here. is. One member. Two posts a year. This is wild, wild podcasting right here, guys. I am just so happy that you could join us for this. Oh my god, I feel for I feel for this poor guy. I almost joined it the other day, but I'm afraid he's not even there. Richard is an admin, and Richard is the only member. Richard, Richard, what? Richard Rose. All right, Richard, I'm going to uh, add you not as like a friend. Romeo Rose, is it? I don't know. I'm going to add Richard as a friend right now. I'm doing it right. Now, boom. <laughs> he studied marketing, by the way, and he <laughs> used that. to work. He used to work for the Real Good Cheese Company and Bright Song Tofu, and formerly, <laughs> formerly a chief what chef, chief hemp nut at Hemp Nut Incorporated. I wonder what kind of stuff he sells at Hemp Nut. Cannabis rack speakers. <laughs> He had some good stuff in there. Um, yeah, he's got two posts in there. So anyway, um, Adam Rose, uh, or what, is, what was the name? Richard Rose? Richard Rose. Richard Not Romeo Rose. Rose. Richard Rose. I sent you a request. If you, if you friend us, you can join us. And hey, it says 45-year cannabis activist. That's join us. Resistance is futile. Resistance is futile. Just like the cannabis activist resistance is futile. Yeah, it is. 
He will probably I, hey, find out. I'm going to be honest with our listeners right now. I invested in cannabis stocks this week. Did you really? Yeah. So what do you think about uh, that whole thing? Listen, I could care less, to be honest with you. Yep. Uh, my whole thing is, like, if we, if we have legal alcohol in this country, why why would we not legalize a plant that can actually have medicinal properties? That's the thing that gets to me. So right now we are in a, 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 a crisis situation in America where um, we have a, a uh, opioid epidemic. And mm-hmm. do you think that comes from 60s hippies? No. It's coming Listen, from, I know, the, from the medical community. I know, I know some guys – I know some people right now. I know now a guy. I know who a are guy. former heroin addicts huh? who are instead of using methadone, they're treating themselves with marijuana. Yeah, and they're and and they've been off of it. Yeah. So there you go. There you I go. mean, they're Bruce to the pudding. There you go, and they and they are lifelong Dungeons and Dragons players. Probably. That's beside the point. I'm being I'm being facetious. You're talking about somebody that's never smoked pot in his life. And I have it has no has no interest in it. But then again, I just don't care. I don't care. I smoke pop, smoke pop. I don't give a shit. J- J- Jim, to be honest with you, I live in uh, I live in Illinois. We have a huge state deficit in here right now. Yep. Um, they're talking about a sixty percent tax increase. Yep. Needed needed to pay, cover the uh, the um, uh, what do they call them um, pensions. Yep. That they that they rated. So I'm sitting here going. Why don't they just legalize marijuana? And there are actually people campaigning for it right now in this state right. really hard right. because right now, while it's not legal on the national level, we can make a lot of money and we could probably avert six, you know, 30% of that 60% increase. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, like, you know, a lot of people think this is off topic, but hey, this is a musician podcast. If I, and if you don't know one no, musician that no, smokes pot. Yeah, believe, believe me, <laughs> this is definitely a music thing topic i mean honestly i have i have not joined bands because i knew people were like selling or or growing marijuana because i'm i'm sitting yeah. there going no look i can't i can't be around this because if you get caught in my state if you get caught and i know about it and i yep. didn't say anything i'm just as guilty as you are yep that's that's true in this state by the way which is ridiculous but it's true and uh so uh i don't i don't foresee me I'm not going to pick up the banner, and I work for the government, so I'm not going to pick up the banner. Yeah, I mean, but I don't yeah, really care. If yeah. if it happens, it happens. If it becomes legal, I'll definitely put some money into it, like you did. Well, I know I know some people right now who uh, I have a family member who actually is a um, he is a I don't know what you would call it. He runs a dispensary. He, okay. Well, he has run a dispensary in Colorado. Yep. Uh, and was growing uh, when it was medical. Yep. And then kind of got out of the business a little bit and and moved into like the more exotic forms yep. because when they when they fully legalized out there for recreational use everything went to hell yeah. in the in the industry because all the regulation dropped and all that yep. there was a whole uh, lot of there were a whole lot there was a news uh, was it uh, 2020 or uh, Dayline one of them did a whole news thing about that go ahead but, but, but the thing is he's he's totally in it for medicinal reasons he he actually runs a company now that does the CBD extract oil. And for the people that actually need it for medical reasons, yeah. that stuff works. Yeah. My brother's taking it right now. Yeah. It, uh, he has – all right, so he's bone on bone in his knees. He's a bigger guy. Yeah. Um, they have told him he is not a candidate for knee replacement at this time because oh of his gosh. weight. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So, so he has been taking CBD so he can continue to work yep. while he's trying to, to lose weight. Right. So 
and and it's actually been effective for him. Yeah, and well, so, like, how, who might argue with this? I know how much pain he's in. Dude, he's a 42-year-old man or 41-year-old man with a cane. Oh, that's terrible. It really yeah, is it's terrible. Unbelievable. But, and, you know, if the same people that go, oh, you know, you shouldn't be able to get that are at home taking, you know, the next um, yeah, TV yeah, whatever was on TV, they went, oh, their doctor, oh, this is supposed to take care of my pain. Oh, you can't take me off of this. And they're just like, how else? They're stuck on it. I mean, well, a lot of people, a lot. And then that's what you got to remember about the opioid crisis. A lot of people who are who are involved in opioids don't necessarily know they're an addict. Exactly. Well, you know what? A lot of them, you know, I know they, they get told that they're taking an opiate, but I don't know as they really know, because a lot of people don't really think about the fact, hey, wait a minute, my doctor's not going to give me illegal drugs. Yeah, I mean, they tell they them that oxycodone is the same thing as heroin. I right. mean, they're, they're not, yeah, and they're not telling you the oxycodone and Vicodin. They're not saying, oh, you know what? This is heroin. Yeah, and it's legal heroin. It's just le- when when I got my nose, so I had to, I'd have my nose um, uh, cleared because I have a septum. Okay. So when they did their surgery, they said, yeah, we're going to, we have to stuff your nose with legal cocaine. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, yeah. But anyway, no. Um, so that was the one and only time I did drugs. But it was it was stuffed up my nose for that time. But they then they said you can put me you on Vicodin or whatever it was, oxycodone, or we can give you Tylenol and codeine. I said, how about you just give me Tylenol? Well, okay. So so my mother and this is this is I, I will end on this, yep. um, and I and I'll come back around and. and put this back on the music history at the end of this. My mother has all kinds of health problems. She has uh, uh, an illness called fibromyalgia, which yep. many doctors say is completely fabricated. That Rob, it's all in your head. There are a lot she of people has, that say that. She has a degenerative muscle disease on top of that. Yep. Uh, she has a defibrillator. Oh, she God. is, I believe she's, no, she's got to be 65 because she, she's just gotten Social Security. Right. So um, here's the deal. She can't take any painkillers, nothing with codeine in it, which basically means you can't have any painkillers. Right, right. Except for the, you know, the the um, uh, the opioid stuff. So when she goes to the doctor and they have to do surgery or whatever, yep. she toughs it out. She gets the prescription, but she doesn't take it because she's like she's she's she knows what it is. Yep. And my my I, to be honest with you, my mother is the toughest person I know. Yeah. On earth. I mean, I think that is tough. There's no question about that. Okay, so she has a heel spur. She's had recurring heel spurs Mm -hmm. in her feet. She mows the lawn. She's out there pushing a fucking lawnmower. Yeah. I'm like, are you insane? Good for her. Seriously, good for her. She doesn't do that anymore, but that's because she's got the defibrillator now. Now they don't want her to do anything that's going to make her heart do anything. So, you know, it's like you can sleep in the chair pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, and that's it. You can't do anything else. You know, honestly. I, I I don't want to sound facetious, but good for her because she's she's strong, you know. When like I said, when they gave me that stuff, and let me tell you something, there there is a lot of pain post post surgery for a nasal because um, they route your bone out. They take a router in there. They take the skin, flap it off, and route your bone out, and then stitch the skin back together. Your nasal passages that hurts. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this back to music. Yep. If you want to see an interesting story and you want to find out what people are like when they go down the opioid crisis path. Yeah. 
Look at Phil Anselmo. There's a video on YouTube that he did. It was a, oh, yeah. a, a college talk yep. about his drug problem. Yep. And it basically ruined his life. And he and he pretty much admits that that was the downfall of his career as a music as a singer. Although he still, you know, sings and he has his various metal projects and stuff. That ended Pantera. Yeah, his it did. his inability to function on narcotics ended Pantera. And um, whether you like the guy or not, most people don't because they know about the bad blood between him and Dime. Um, if you if you watch what he has to say, though, it, I mean, it's. It really redefines how you think about an addict. Yeah. And the reason why I think this is so important is because we as musicians, we come across people like this all the time. I think of a classic case. I went to see Living Color. The band had opened up. I don't recall their name. Um, their drummer, he, he was clearly on heroin. Like it was very, very obvious. The the sweat, the the eyes, and like um, his mannerisms and stuff, like very much, you know, heroin inflected. Right. And you just sit there and you feel bad for these guys. And I know we've probably all auditioned or played with somebody who's using narcotics. Like if if you as a musician have some money available that you don't want to spend on gear or, or even you don't on gear, if you can take the time out to go find somebody, you can actually donate either your time or your money to help people like this. It would make this world such a better place, and yeah. that's kind of where I want to go with this. Yep. So I'm going to use the platform as a way to spread charity and joy to everybody. Yep. Take some time to just think about it. Yeah. It's always good to help your fellow musician, honestly. Right. And, and right. Um, we don't judge, please don't judge. Just because somebody is hooked on heroin doesn't mean that they did it because they wanted. Who to knows how they got into we the never know. In. Sometimes knows? everybody knows. Look, a drummer can get heel spurs. A, Guitarists get back problems. We got wrist problems. We've got Phil Anselmo was a perfect example. That's why I brought him up. He fell off a stage right. onto his back, yep. and then and then he was self medicating. Yep. And if you think about it, look at the head head banging. I think he said that was part of it too. Was the fact? Oh no, that that's was, what kept re injuring it over and over. Yep. Was all that head banging? So yeah, I remember that being part of it. So people, it, it just happens. Billy Joel had a, a motorcycle accident. We have. You can name. Over and over and over, you can name people that that this happened to, and it's so. Don't think that oh well, it wouldn't happen to me, because it could happen to to you, to me, to you. You know, everybody that that uh, um, needs that help. But the the, um, the point is, if you can help somebody out like that, that's a great thing. So, right, right. if you can put some links in the description, yeah, maybe I'll go look and see if there's some GoFundmes for um, like drug organizations and stuff to, to help people going through opioid crisis right. and to see if we can, you know, maybe raise some awareness. Yeah, uh, yeah so that was a spur of the moment thing, but I, I'm glad we went down that path. Yep. So, um, yeah, right. I, I, I've been, yeah, <laughs> and on that happy note, yeah. which was not happy, and that was very <laughs> sarcastic. Uh, I'm David, I am Jim. And we are the Practical, Practical Guitarists. Guitarists.